0: Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night, late Monday night, as I, I get a late start on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to try and upload this one as quickly as I can after I did this, but uh, fell asleep tonight. Uh, wash King. I <laughs> just uh, uh, can't necessarily do the same things uh, staying up till 5 a.m. the previous day to, or actually, it was this morning at 5 a.m., uh, to, to get out a, a point guard article um uh on backup point guards on denverstiffs.com. Uh had a good time writing it. I always write my work uh late at night just because I think it's the time where I work the best. Uh but that was uh it it, it caught up with me today. Uh that was too bad. But uh either way, ready for this podcast, ready to have a good time. I asked for questions on Twitter uh for a Q&A that I'll be doing in the second half of this podcast. Uh, got some good questions. Thank you to everybody who commented. Wasn't able to get to all of them, but I'm excited to share about the ones that I did get to. First part of this podcast, though, I think it's important to start really quantifying what this Nuggets team is going to look like. Uh, We've found out what the roster is going to be, have a pretty good inkling of what the rotation is going to look like, saw some of the rotations that Michael Malone used in the first preseason game on Saturday night. And while that's not the final rotation, while that's not necessarily set in stone or anything, it's at least a good approximation, I think, of what's going to happen at the beginning of the regular season. And we can figure out what's going on from there. I'll use some of my own intuition to figure out what what the Nuggets are going to end up doing. Uh, But I'm going to project the offense and the defense. I'm going to project the offensive rating and the defensive rating uh, and where the Nuggets are going to stand based off of what they've done. Uh, with this roster what what I think that they're going to do with the rotation and how that's going to ultimately play out in the regular season playoffs is obviously more matchup based the nuggets really saw that over the course of this past playoffs where Jeremy grant stepped into a rotation role or a starting role excuse me against teams like the Clippers and the Lakers where his value was most maximized uh, over the weekend a lot of people were were sort of making fun of jeremy grant for the for the production that he put up with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Still scratching my head on that one. I hope it works out for him, but like, I think he was in a great role with the Nuggets as a fourth or fifth option, but going to the Pistons to be a second or third option, uh, maybe even a first option, I don't really see it there. But be that as it may, I think the Nuggets are going to be an interesting case study for what it's going to look like in the regular season when you take out a guy like that. When you insert a guy like Michael Porter Jr. into the starting lineup, it's going to be really interesting to see how they perform on both sides of the ball. So without further ado, let's talk about the offense. Okay, so setting this up, I want to talk about what the biggest changes to the rotation are going to be. It is my belief that the starting lineup that the Nuggets are going to use going into the regular season is Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. That might change at some point. That might They'll probably not be the final rotation, uh, but I think the Nuggets are going to slowly work in Will Barton on the bench unit, and then they will figure out what they're going to do with the starters down the line. Uh, Paul Millsap is probably not going to have the same role that he has at the end of the season that he's going to have at the beginning, but for continuity purposes, uh, for the Nuggets having added Jamichael Green, Uh, I think it's wise, and I think it's probably the right thing to do to just pencil in that Millsap is going to start, Green is going to be the backup, and we're going to figure it out from there. Um, But MPJ for Barton is going to be the, the sub in the starting unit. Barton for MPJ is going to be the sub in the bench unit. And so it works both ways. And this is going to be a really interesting thing for the Nuggets this year, because Porter is going from a very small role to a very large role. I don't think that Barton is going from a large role to a very small role. I think it will be a slightly reduced role. And so the Nuggets are going to have a larger minute share of really good players, I think. And that's going to be really interesting in the regular season. So MPJ for Barton in the starting unit, Barton for MPJ in the bench unit, Faku Kompazo for Beasley and Tori Craig in the backcourt. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Jermichael Green for Jeremy Grant in the front court, and Isaiah Hartenstein for Plumlee in the front court as the backup bench center. Um, you could also possibly see more Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier than normal, uh, depending on the matchup, depending on what's going to go on. But those guys are the 11th and 12th man, whereas Tory Craig was the 11th man, Malik Beasley was the 11th man, and I think Wancher Hernan gomez I would probably classify as the 12th man last year, so... It'll be interesting to see how those guys play in comparison to the previous guys. Um, but how does this change affect the nuggets from an offensive overview perspective? Um, I think that the number one thing that really changes is that MPJ kind of adds that easy shot factor for Denver and the starting unit. Uh, people forget that even though that Barton has been a good offensive player, he's a versatile piece, uh, his overall efficiency, because he doesn't shoot two-pointers that efficiently, is actually lower than you would want it to be for a third option. He's at about 54-55% true shooting. Michael Porter Jr. was at close to 62% true shooting. Is he going to stay that way? I doubt it. I don't necessarily think that makes a lot of sense for it to stay that way if he's going to see a lot more added attention. But if he's at 58-59, if he's offensive rebounding... If he's doing some of the things off ball that kind of draw some more gravity than a guy like Will Barton does, then I think that could actually help Denver, uh, especially on the offensive end. Um, Overall, in the previous season, uh, Murray, Harris, Barton, Porter, and Jokic combined for about 135 minutes per game out of 240 on average. In this season, I project that they're probably going to be at about 150 minutes per game. That's a 15 more minutes per game for your best five players. Uh, and I think that that's going to make a, a tangible difference, or at least not, not tangible, but a marginal uh, small difference in what Denver can do on the offensive end. Because sometimes it's just about your best players playing more. Sometimes it's just about your best guys being out there for more time Always. I think that's going to be a really big deal for Denver because they, I think they got deeper as a team with the some of the things that they've done. Uh, I think that the substitution of Faku Campazo for Beasley and Craig, that's going to be really good for creating efficient shots. Uh, it's not necessarily great for the uh, defensive side for Erpel. We're going to have to wait and see on that. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that more in, in just a bit here. But Composo is going to improve the Nuggets as an offensive player because what Malik Beasley was in Denver in his last season, what Torrey Craig was in Denver as an offensive player, I think Composo is going to be a better player for driving elite offense. He's going to create some elite shots for uh, open shooters, for guys rolling to the rim, He's going to create some transition looks because he's working hard on that end. Uh, He's a great passer, obviously. So that's probably going to be the best benefit of having him. Though he might not be a great off-ball shooter, though he might not uh, do some other things that the Nuggets will need, uh, I think that's going to be a net positive on the offensive end. And then Green and Hartenstein for Grant and Plumlee. That's kind of the main swap there. I think that's negligible. So, like, while while Jeremy Grant, I think, is a better floor spacer and a more dynamic offensive piece than Jermichael Green, I think that Isaiah Hartenstein is a better offensive player than Mason Plumley right now. And that's uh it's interesting that Isaiah Hartenstein got a minimum deal and Plumley got 8 million a year. Uh that's that's not something I would have expected. So looking a little bit more detailed at the numbers here. Uh, last season's four factors, which if you don't know about the four factors, they are the four most important statistical indicators for a great offense or a great defense or a poor offense or a poor defense. Their effective field goal percentage, your turnover rate, rebounding percentage, and the proportion of free throws to field goal attempts. Uh, all of those things matter in different capacities, but they've been proven. John Hollinger was really the first one to do this work. Uh, they've been proven to be good indicators for what a healthy offense or defense will look like. If they excel in those factors, then they'll generally be good. Most importantly, effective field goal percentage. So Denver's EFG last year was 53.5, which ranked 10th. I think that will improve as Denver continues to take more threes and they play better players on the offensive end. Like, think about this. Uh, MPJ is going to add about 15 more minutes per game in the regular season. And Facundo Campazzo is going to play more in place of Torrey Craig. Uh, that's a pretty big jump. That's a pretty big difference. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, they should be even better on the offensive end than they were in previous years. Uh, Murray, for all of the great work that he did in the bubble, he was just good in the regular season. What happens if he's great in this regular season? I don't think he's going to be like an all-NBA caliber player this regular season, Uh, just because I think he has to save some of it for the playoffs, and that's okay. But could he be an all-star caliber player? That would be an upgrade over the previous year. Um, In the shot-making perspective, MPJ is going to definitely help with the additional threes prospect that Michael Mullen wants to have. Uh, Porter's going to take a lot of threes. He's going to make a lot of threes. That's going to be really important for spacing the floor for Denver. Um, turnover percentage is probably going to get worse for Denver. They're probably going to turn the ball over just a little bit more. That's what happens when you have an inexperienced player in there. Uh, Porter is going to generate a lot of turnovers himself, but he's also going to be in the wrong spot on occasion. Uh, his individual turnover percentage isn't that bad, but I think he's going to have some rookie moments, inexperienced moments where he's driving into traffic, draws a charge, Uh, or he just loses the ball on a drive, or he cuts in the wrong time when Jokic is looking for him to cut at a different time, uh, etc. There will be times there. Uh, But offensive rebounding percentage, Denver ranked second this past year. I think that's going to stay the same, maybe even get better. They might be the best offensive rebounding team in the league, except for maybe the Pelicans. Uh, who have Zion Williamson and Steven Adams. Like, if that team isn't the best offensive rebounding team in the league, then I don't know what we're doing here. But uh, Porter is great on the offensive glass. Jokic is great on the offensive glass. I think Denver will be really good there once they get into a good flow. Uh, We actually saw Porter overcommit on a lot of offensive rebounds, and that led to transition points the other direction. So I wonder what what the coaching staff is going to do there with him. it's going to be interesting to see whether they can shift his tendencies a little bit more or if they even want to. So, uh, the proportion of free throws to field goal attempts is also going to improve. Porter's going to draw free throws. Murray and Jokic should draw more free throws. That is a thing that Michael Malone has recommended to guys like Monte Morris, to Campazzo, uh, to other guys as well. Uh, Hartenstein should be a more effective free throw shooter, uh, than, than Mason Plumley. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles this on a consistent basis, but I think that they're going to be a better offensive team. Last year's finish was 5th in offensive rating at 112.6 points per 100 possessions. This year I have them projected for 2nd in the league with an offensive rating of 114.2. It's a small jump, but it is a meaningful jump because when you get from that elite precipice, Getting to an even higher level is really important. They're they're reaching the Dallas territory at that point, which is great. (sighs) Let's move to defense. Same guys are stepping into this rotation. Um, MPJ for Barton in the starting unit, that's probably going to be a downgrade. Uh, Barton was a good defender last year, in the regular season especially. didn't play in the playoffs, so I I can't necessarily say what he would look like in the playoff atmosphere. But MPJ overall is a worse defender than Will Barton. His size will help him, but not enough. Um, If Barton is on the bench for MPJ, that should improve that group's defense overall, though. Uh, There were a lot of times uh, last season where the bench defense really struggled, and it was for a variety of reasons, but often. It was because on the wings, they struggled to keep up with guys as Porter lost track of his assignments, as he continued to struggle. Uh, Barton, if he wants to continue to prove that he's a main focal point of this team, he's going to have to keep his game up on defense as well. Um, Faku Campazo is also a different defender from a guy like Torrey Craig, but he's a better defender than Malik Beasley for sure. Uh, So I think that swap is going to be negligible. Green and Hartenstein is also negligible uh, because they're coming in for Grant and Plumley. I think that Plumley is probably a slightly defender, better defender than Hartenstein right now, but I wouldn't count on it. Uh, Grant is a different defender than Green, but I think Green might be a better regular season defender. Uh, we'll see if that actually bears fruit. Last season's offensive factor, or defensive four factors, uh, the effective field goal percentage, Denver ranked 17th on defense. They ranked uh, 14th in turnover rate. They ranked 19th in defensive rebounding rate. And 14th in field goal uh, to free throw to field goal attempt ratio. Uh, All of those things, I think, are going to be really interesting to track this year. Because effective field goal percentage is probably going to stay the same or get worse, uh, given Denver's personnel. Porter is going to be a big contributor to that. Whether he can stick with guys, whether he can cover for his own mistakes a little bit better. I thought he was pretty decent in the game against the Golden State Warriors, against Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, uh, when he got switched out to other players as well. But he's going to have to be stuck to his, uh, stuck to his man. And other guys can't cover for him all the time. So, because Denver's going to face a lot of great people. And they, they're going to have their own problems. Uh, the turnover rate, Denver should generate more turnovers, though. Uh, Faku Kompazo, turnover pest. He's going to draw charges. He's going to get into passing lanes. He's going to lull defenders to sleep and then capitalize. Uh, that should win Denver some possessions for sure. I think Porter is going to grab some more blocks, uh, maybe get a, get a steal or two that Barton wouldn't have had because of how big he is, uh, Denver has more arms and more wingspan now in the, in the starting lineup. So maybe that'll help for generating defensive plays. Defensive rebounding should go up as well. Uh, more minutes for MPJ is good. And Jermichael Green and Isaiah Hartenstein actually helps the bench unit there over Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. Those two are pretty poor defensive rebounders, in my opinion. Uh, Hartenstein should be pretty good. Jamichael Green should be really good as well. Uh, he's a better defensive rebounder than Jeremy Grant. And I think in those limited minutes, uh, Denver has to win those on the margins. So if they get an extra rebound here or there, like that's going to, that's going to add up over the course of a season. Denver ranked 19th in defensive rebounding rate. I think that could go up to about 10th even like that. It wouldn't surprise me if they were a top 10 defensive rebounding team. With Porter in the starting lineup, and uh, Barton, Jamichael Green, Isaiah Hartenstein as the primary bench guys. Last year's defensive finish uh, in in defensive rating was 16th at 110.4 points per 100 possessions allowed. This year's finish, I'm going to project them to be about the same. 15th in defensive rating, 110.5. So they're going to be about the same. The difference between one ten point five and one fourteen point two is a plus three point seven net rating. So, if we look at that from a a perspective of last year, um, Denver's net rating last year was plus two point two, and it ranked about uh, it ranked eleventh in the NBA. Some of that was affected by the bubble. I think Denver was one of those teams that was affected most by the bubble, but. If they had the second best offensive rating and the 15th best defensive rating, an elite offense, average defense, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, plus 3.7 last year would have put them at 7th in the NBA. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the previous season, uh, 3.7 would have put them 9th. Year before that, 3.7 would have put them sixth. So they would be in that six to eight range from a net rating perspective. Um, I think that seems about right. I think next year would probably be the year that you would want to see that go way up. Uh, like, for example, Houston back in 2017-18 was a plus 8.4. That's really, really good. Uh, Milwaukee was a plus 8.6 in 18-19. This past year, 1920, they they're up to 9.4. I don't know if Denver's ever going to reach that precipice as a regular season team. Maybe they will. Maybe Jokic is that good. Maybe maybe their offense is even better than I'm selling them for. Uh, Putting in Porter and, and a better Jokic and Murray, maybe that's just enough to be one of the best offenses of all time. I wouldn't count on it immediately, though. And I would say that there's probably going to be some bumps and bruises along the way, uh, along with the defense. And the defense is going to be really important. Mike Malone is going to harp on it constantly. It's going to get pretty exhausting, I'll say. Uh, won't surprise me at all if Denver ranks in, in an average rate or if they get up to 10th. If they could get up to about 10th and, and get that net rating up to about plus 5, plus 6, then I think Denver's really sitting pretty. Uh, It's going to be hard this season to sustain success on a consistent basis. Uh, Denver does have the horses, though. They have a lot of pieces that could really help them out. They're going to be a more offensive team than defensive team, but that's okay. Uh, It doesn't necessarily matter how you get there, just as long as you score more points than the other team. Um, Process is important, though, and I hope that Denver commits to that defensive end. They don't have the ceiling that they had last year. Uh, they don't have the floor that they had last year, so they're going to have to work really hard every night to make sure it comes out great. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to start doing some Q and a, uh, got, got several questions that I want to answer and I think they should be interesting. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, all the way to the We Just Hit a Million Orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. blackburn here two segments today first segment about the offensive and defensive ratings second segment q a Uh, want to do this more frequently this year if you've noticed on twitter i've been doing a periscope live i did one after the game on saturday night usually i do one during the middle of the week uh tuesday night wednesday night or so uh i'm gonna try to do more of those especially if there's important news that needs to be covered I think that's a really fun medium, and it involves a lot of Q&A. It involves me talking to the audience consistently and having a good time with it, and I enjoy it. So I'm going to do more of it because I like to do things that I like to do. Let's start with this question. Uh, Get this one out of the way. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Marcus Valenzuela asks, Is there any likely scenario where you feel the Nuggets would entertain trading Murray or not Murray? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and company for James Harden. Uh, he goes on to describe how this goes against Denver's plans and beliefs of team building. And I tend to agree. I think that that would be very wild for Denver to kind of shuck all of the uh, the team development that they've done to go against the what they've really prepared for for the season, just to trade it all for a top 10, top 5 player. And, and that's what James Harden is. He is a clear top five, top 10 player, whatever you want to call it. He's in that top tier with Nikola Jokic. And that's a really important distinction because what we've seen from the NBA time and time again is that when you get this top tier talent, you have a chance for a title, no matter what. Uh, You saw uh, Wade, LeBron, and Bosh with the Heat. You saw the Celtics with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, uh, the Warriors with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Like, when you add talent, it makes things a lot easier. Having really good players makes things really easy. And there are questions with Michael Porter Jr. that you could justify wanting to bring in a guy like James Harden. It's going to make everything easier for everybody else on one end of the floor. Uh, I think that Denver says no to a James Harden deal. Because despite the fact that Jamal Murray and James Harden and Nikola Jokic would be awesome, they would be great on the offensive end of the floor, probably be a historic offense. If you trade Porter, you trade Gary Harris, you trade Will Barton, that's how you have to get to those salaries. Uh, Where does Denver's defense go? Like... Can they even generate a positive defense at all if, they, if they're if they always covering for Harden's mistakes with Nikola Jokic on the back line? Uh, Michael Green and Paul Millsap aren't doing it. Uh, whoever Denver starts at the three next to Murray and Harden, uh, it's going to need to be like O.G. Ananobi or Robert Covington, and those guys aren't available. Uh, certainly not on Denver's roster. So, I think this goes against Denver's plan for sure. I think that Denver says no, despite the fact that if you could get Harden for Michael Porter Jr. like in a vacuum, yes, you're probably, you probably should do that from a talent perspective. Like, like Harden is a great, great, great scorer and a great, great, great offensive player. And he's never been able to play with a player like Nikola Jokic. Uh, except for Kevin Durant, who is awesome. Um, but you get to that position, and you ask yourself, okay, how did the Nuggets get through the Los Angeles Lakers? Does this help them get past that point? If the answer is no, then I don't, I don't really know what we're doing here. Um, it might. Like, maybe Denver could cobble together something, but I would be concerned. Jordan Scott asks, do you think Jokic, that, the, that the Jokic we saw on Saturday – is the one we'll see all season? If so, is it is he an MVP in the is an MVP in the Cards? for I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading poorly. I've even got my glasses on. Come on now, um, this is an interesting question because I think it puts into perspective uh, where the Nuggets are, where Jokic is in his development, and and what the NBA really thinks of a guy like Jokic. Um, right now the MVP frontrunners are. In my eyes, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, and LeBron James. I think you could make a case for Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic. Uh, going to the East, there's not a great candidate there. Like, is, is Joel Embiid going to be an MVP-worthy player? I don't think so. I don't think he ever gets to that point. Uh, ben Simmons, obviously, no. Uh, Jimmy Butler probably can't maintain that for a full season. Uh, Bam Adebayo isn't high profile enough. Uh, Jason Tatum, like he kind of fits that mold of a of a big time scorer on a on a really good team, but I don't know if he's there from a a playmaking perspective yet. In the West, you go back, you see the Clippers. Okay, Kawhi, he always has a case, but I think he's going to load manage in a seventy two game season, like. Hard to really justify being the MVP if you're going to play less time. Uh, and we'll we'll see what their team looks like. Uh, Anthony Davis, maybe. Uh, it's always going to be difficult if people feel like LeBron is the best player on the team. Uh, I doubt that Anthony Davis can get an MVP while LeBron is on that team. Um, Luka obviously mentioned, LeBron I obviously mentioned, uh, Damian Lillard could be an option. Steph, or obviously mentioned Steph. <coughs> oh, no, I didn't really mention Steph. Uh, he's a guy that if they come out of nowhere and he's averaging 30, 32, uh, maybe it's in the cards for him if he's got historical efficiency, if he brings that Warriors roster kind of back from the brink. I think that if you're the Nuggets, I think that if you're, if you're Jokic, and you want to play the full season, you want to really grind it out, you want to be the best team that you could possibly be, it means that Jokic is going to have to go hard. It means that he's going to take things more seriously. And the Jokic that we saw on Saturday really took things seriously. He was engaged. He was pushing the ball up the court. He was dominant on the glass. Kevon Looney and uh, and Marquise Chris are not exactly like contenders for... Defensive Player of the Year at the center position. So I kind of take it with a grain of salt. But if the Nuggets kind of start to figure this thing out, and Jokic is the benefactor of it, if he's averaging 20 to 25 points, maybe on the upper end of that, maybe it's 23, 24. If he's averaging in that range, and he's putting up 8 assists and 10 to 12 rebounds, and his efficiency is great, and the Nuggets are great, then you might start to hear some buzz for him. Um, I don't think that an MVP season is in the cards, but I do think that the season that the, the game that we saw on Saturday is going to be pretty commonplace for him. Uh, the Nuggets have a bunch of other guys, or two other guys who I think are going to command the respect of the NBA. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. from a, a consistency standpoint are going to be uh, scoring problems for the opposing team. Uh, they could drop 25 to 30 points on any on any given night, and it means that Jokic isn't going to have to all the time. So he's not going to put up the 25 point per game season that he probably needs to win. And teams will associate a lot of his success with the success that that Jamal Murray has had or or Michael Porter Jr. has had, and they'll be like, okay. Nikola Jokic might be the best player on this team, but he's getting a lot of help from his supporting cast. And that might be true. It might. Um, I don't think I would vote on him or I would bet on him for uh, MVP, but I do think he's in line for a great season. I think this, this could be his best season of his career. Uh, he's been at around 20, 10, and 7 for the last two seasons, maybe slightly under this past year. Uh, could he get up to 21, 10, and 8? Yeah, 22, 10, and 8? 22, 11, and 8? <coughs> 63% true shooting, something crazy like that? Yeah, I think he could. I think there's, there's really no reason, in my opinion, that he couldn't get to that threshold. So if you're in that position, then I think the Nuggets are going to be there. I think he's going to earn first team All-NBA. I think he's going to do it running away. Um, actually running away is probably a strong point, but if Anthony Davis is playing power forward consistently and not playing center, uh, I think that he should win first team all NBA. So we'll see how it goes. Oliver asks, who do you think will get more minutes Zeke Naji or RJ Hampton? I think that Naji's probably your guy because of his overall readiness and, and the position that he plays. Najee looked pretty good in the bubble, or not in the bubble, in the in the first preseason game. Sorry, I'm, I'm still all distorted. Um, he looked pretty good. His his mechanics were really clean. Uh, as a catch and shoot big man, uh, caught from the mid range, caught from the three point line, had a really nice chase down block in the half court. Uh, looked pretty good in terms of where to be and what he was doing on a consistent basis. So, I think that because of that, and because that. Denver has a, a minimum backup center in Isaiah Hardenstein. There are op- opportunities for Zeke Naji in this rotation, where maybe they give Isaiah Hardenstein 10 to 15 games, and if he locks in that center, center position, then great. If not, or if he gets injured, then Zeke Naji's the next guy up, um, at least from my perspective. I don't think that RJ Hampton is next up in line. I think that Denver's going to have Will Barton back in that position. They're going to have P.J. Dozier, who's not even playing, who could play any of the one, two, or three. He's got the defensive potential. Uh, think of it as more of the, like, Torrey Craig versus Michael Porter Jr. dynamic, where Michael Malone is always, almost always going to go with the Torrey Craig because he can trust him. He's going to trust P.J. Dozier because of what he does on the defensive end, and he knows what he's going to get from P.J. more than he does from R.J. right now. So... That would be my guess at the outset. Derek Valdez asks, how long do you think the second unit will take to mesh and be most effective? Thinking lineup changes and chemistry, etc. I would say a couple months, at which point Michael Mullen is probably going to establish a rotation that includes a starter rotating with the backcourt uh, in the bench. Uh, Denver's going to be in a position where they're going to want to win and the best opportunity for them to win is to put their best players on the floor at all times. Uh, This often happens with Malone, where he'll start with a 10-man rotation, and he'll try to let the second unit get some chemistry, mesh a little bit. Maybe he's got 11 players that he wants to play, only plays 10 on a consistent basis, might give the 11th some time. But I don't think that the bench unit is going to be elite. I think they're going to have their ups and downs, where sometimes it looks like they're clicking. Sometimes it looks like, hey, Faku Campaso is really dishing the ball out. He's averaging five assists per game over a week span or a three-week span or something like that, and he's really putting pressure on the defense. Uh, Morris is shooting 45% from three during a three-week stretch, and then he looks pretty good. Uh, you're going to get things like that. Uh, will Barton is going to probably come off the bench, in my opinion, and he's going to look pretty good there too. Uh, Jamichael Green will have some some times where he's hit three, four threes, and and he changes the game. Isaiah Hartenstein, same thing. Like maybe not threes, but he could have a game where he goes for a ten and ten triple or ten and ten double double with a couple blocks off the bench, and that'd be great. That's exactly what Denver needs in small minutes. So. I don't think that they're going to finish the season with that rotation. I think things will change. I think Porter will probably get some time as a bench scorer. Murray will probably get some time as a bench scorer. Especially if if Monte or or Faku, if they need a break uh, physically. I'm thinking Faku here specifically. Because he's already played 20 plus games with Real Madrid this year. And he came over. And the way he plays, he's going to need a break in my opinion. So if he gets some time, then then maybe Jamal Murray comes in, he subs in for him while Faku recovers, and, and he plays well with the second unit. Uh, just wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. I think that the rotation is going to be fluid. It's not going to look the same all the time. And really, it's going to be about a feel thing with Malone, and that's okay. Uh, he gets paid a lot more than I do to craft a rotation. Final question here, uh, Tyson Rutch asks, plus minus wise, what is your prediction for the best two, three, and five man units for the Nuggets this year? I didn't really do a bunch of deep dive for this. Uh, I just kind of tried to think about it conceptually from what the Nuggets are going to want, from what the individual players are going to be looking for on a consistent basis. And so I have five two-man units, I have four three-man units, and I have three five-man units, just to kind of wet the whistle a little bit. Uh, First two-man unit, Murray and Jokic, really going out on a limb on that one. Uh, That's going to play a lot. Those guys are really good when those guys are on the floor. Denver's usually pretty good. Uh, They have great chemistry for obvious reasons, and they're both elite players. So when your elite players are on the floor, you're generally pretty good. Uh, MPJ and Jokic is going to be another one. I don't have MPJ and Murray on here, though I think it could easily be on there if they if they develop some chemistry. If Porter starts doing some pick-and-pop sets with Murray, I think that could look pretty good. Uh, we'll see if it ultimately does. We'll see what Jokic does in those situations, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Denver does with those three. Uh but yeah, Murray Jokic is one, MPJ Jokic is another. I think either Faku and Monte or either Faku or Monte along with MPJ and either Faku or Monte along with Murray is also going to be good. And that's where I think uh rotating MPJ or Murray with the second unit, that's going to be where that comes in. Uh, those guys are going to be pretty good. Uh MPJ and JaMichael Green, I think is also going to be a good one. Uh Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter was a really good unit last year. And I think this this particular unit with Jermichael Green instead of Jeremy Grant, I think it has a lot of the same tendencies. Uh, Jermichael's not going to be a guy who imposes his will often, but he's going to be a solid defender. He's going to do his job, going to rebound to defend his position. Uh, he's going to hit open shots. And then you have Porter for more of the uh, the firepower in this case and kind of the pop. So I think that those two, if they play with Jokic, if they play with Hartenstein, if they play with Murray, if they play with Barton, it's going to look pretty good no matter what. Uh, Denver's going to have to get into a rhythm though, because I, I think that there will be some issues there, but like if Porter is the player that we think he is, I think it's going to work. Um, three man units, Murray, MPJ, Jokic really going out on a limb again. Uh, Another one is Faku, Monte, and Jokic. I think we saw that on Saturday. Anytime that you surround Jokic with multiple point guards, he's going to look pretty good. Uh, there are going to be times where Murray and Harris both go to the bench, and Faku and Monte are both out there, and Jokic is still rolling, and he's still on the floor with the first unit. Uh, Faku and Monte, uh, they're going to get him the ball. They're going to be in a really good position where they can do it consistently. Uh, those three should generate great offense, and I think the defense should be pretty smart too. Should be able to get out and transition pretty consistently, get some easy shots. MPJ, Jamichael Green, and Nikola Jokic is another one uh, for the same reasons as uh, Jeremy Grant. I think that that's going to be another great trio. And then last one is Harris, Barton, MPJ. I think that's going to be a really good one as like a 2-3-4 combo. Where you're probably going to have either Murray or Monte at the first at the point guard position, and you're going to have Jokic or Hartenstein at the at the center position. Maybe they even go with like Jemichael Green or Paul Millsap as the big. Uh, but Harris Barton MPJ, I think that's going to shred. I think that's going to be a really good offensive lineup on a consistent consistent basis. Anytime you move Porter to the four, it's going to change. Like the dynamic between. Uh, Porter versus Jamichael Green or Millsap at the four. It's just night and day Like what the Nuggets could do offensively. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Five-man units, I'm not sure if I want to put Denver's starting unit in there, but I do think that the the Murray, Harris, Barton, Porter, Jokic lineup going to be pretty good for the same reasons that I talked about with the three-man. Um, all five of those guys are probably Denver's five best players right now. And I think that that just fits really well. Uh, nothing really to it. Going to be a lot of spacing, a lot of uh, wing scoring. Uh, Jokic and Murray can still do their pick and roll dance, and they're going to have a lot of spacing around them. So should be fun to watch. Another five-man, uh, Morris, Murray, Porter, Green, Jokic. That's going to be interesting. You've got two point guards there. You've got the MPJ-Green-Jokic combo. Uh think that'll shred. think that'll do really well. Uh, The problem with Porter at the three as opposed to the four is because you have him with a little bit of extra ball handling responsibility that he may not be ready for. You can counter that by having another backcourt ball handler, and Morris is a great candidate for that. It could be Compazzo. It could be Barton even. like I think Murray, Barton, Porter, Green, Jokic is also going to be really good. I think Morris deserves some time, though. This could be a lineup where it's the first rotation. Uh, It may not be the starting lineup, but Murray, Porter, and Jokic stay on the floor while Gary Harris goes out, Paul Millsap goes out, Morris comes in the game, Green comes in the game. Uh, I think that'll be interesting. Then last one, uh, Faku, Morris, Barton, Bull, Hartenstein. I think that's going to be interesting. It doesn't include Jermichael Green in there. Uh, I think that whoever plays the four in that lineup is ha- is just gonna have to really be a an elite shooter. You can't be a average shooter in that case and you can't be a tentative shooter. Uh, Millsap has his tendencies where if he gets into a good rotation or he gets into a good rhythm, excuse me, he will hit shots and he like he did that against Golden State on Saturday where the only shots that it really felt like he hit were the threes that he had on the pick-and-pop or catch-and-shoot variety. Uh, I think Bull can do a lot of those same things. And I think that this unit down the line could be Denver's primary bench unit. You've got Faku Campazzo, Monte Morris, both in the backcourt. You have Will Barton, who's going to be your primary scorer. Uh, A little bit undersized for the three, but kind of made up for when you put Bull Bull next to him at the power forward position. And then you have Isaiah Hartenstein as the center. He's the rim roller. He's the guy who collects offensive rebounds, going to help on the defensive glass. Uh, I think that lineup could really work. And I'm interested to see if Michael Malone tries it on Wednesday night. Uh, maybe he gives Paul Millsap or Michael Green a night off. Uh, but I think that I would like to see Bull Bull in what he looks like in that rotation and if Barton were healthy, if Bull gets in there, I think that lineup could be really good. And maybe it's their bench lineup at the end of the year. You never know. All right, that's all I have for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Make sure to tune in. Uh, check out Pickox podcast if you, if you missed it. Uh, Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross recapped the preseason game on Saturday. They also gave their season predictions. Um. I've done some more nuggets stuff, or some some more number stuff here, but we're going to have a couple of interesting developments over at Denver Stiffs over the course of the next couple weeks. So keep your eye out for that. We may even have a new show uh, debuting on Thursday. So keep an eye out for that one. Going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, that's going to do it for me. I'll talk to you guys very soon.